So today, your spiritual pilgrimage, and there's a dream that I have that we would have a house on a bunch of land in this area, and then we could build like two, three houses on that land, and it could become like a place where there are spiritual retreats that are happening, where people could come for three months, like here locally, people could come, and they could spend three months there and just have a spiritual retreat. Like this spiritual awakening can happen. Just a bunch of really cool stuff could happen if we did that. And it would be amazing and God would do some great work. However, there still remains to be a problem. God does not work in controlled environments like that. In fact, God does most of his great work when he calls us out into the unknown in a very uncontrolled environment that is where God really does his work in our hearts and in our souls. And that's what we're talking about today, this spiritual pilgrimage. So today, we're starting a new series today. I mean, this is, this is exciting. It's a new series. It's, it's important. It's in the book of Genesis. However, it's a new series, but it's also an old series. Because back in January last year, we started our series called New Beginnings, and we went through Genesis chapters 1 through 11. Now we pick back up where we left off, and we're calling it New Beginnings 2.0 in the book of Genesis, and we're starting in chapter 12. Now, Genesis is one of those books, well, it's a very important book because the rest of the Bible is ripping off of Genesis. So sometimes people say, ah, I have a hard time understanding the Bible. Well, if you master the book of Genesis, you're going to understand the Bible far better because everything is ripping off of it. So the word Genesis means beginning. And very early on in this beginning, there was a great tragedy that happened. So this here's what the serpent slithered in to paradise and began whispering lies that crawled into the hearts and minds and souls of Adam and Eve. And as this happened, a great fall. There was a, there, there's a great tragedy where now Eden has been lost. Paradise is lost, and Adam and Eve were forced out of this great paradise. Now, after that happens, there's a promise that God makes, that God will raise up someone from the line of Adam and Eve. From, from, from their seed, there would be a hero that comes that crushes the head of this horrible serpent. And so and this, this great hero will lead God's people back to Eden. So Adam and Eve grew thinking that their child, Cain, was going to be this great serpent crusher. And, and we see this imagery, I mean, it's beautiful to what Genesis does, where Cain's primary job is to work the ground. So not only is he working the ground, but think about this, the snake is, would be slithering around. So Cain, is, he's got his eyes out for this serpent. And he's waiting for the day when the serpent shows its ugly face again, and he's going to be the one that crushes this serpent's head. But instead of Cain crushing the serpent's head, he crushes his brother's head. And it's this horrible thing. This tragedy just continues on, where now Adam and Eve, their son Cain has run, and, and their other son Abel is dead. And this is a failed new beginning. And... Then we see 
Seth come on the scene. Adam and Eve have another child. And then from the line of Seth, we see Noah come along. And everyone's got their hope in Noah. I mean, Noah's going to be the one who saves us, but yet Noah still, he fails. And, and then things just continue to get worse and worse until God turns from a memory to just an idea to forgotten completely. And that is where our story picks up with Abram. So I want you to picture a man, Abram, and he is walking, let's just picture him walking in this field. And Abram is an idol worshiper. He's not worshiping God. And he has forgotten God completely. And But it's from his bloodline, from his line, that, in other words, in his blood is the one who will come that will crush the serpent. And then Abram hears this call from God. Calls him out into the unknown. So that's where our story picks up. Genesis 12. Here's what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed, or Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak at Morah. And the time, and that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, and there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord who called upon the name of the Lord, and Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now, right now, we're going to dive into your spiritual pilgrimage as we look at Abram's spiritual pilgrimage. We're going to look at this story, and from this story, we're going to see five truths about your spiritual pilgrimage. So we're going to look at faith. So we're going to look at, first, what faith is like. Second, why faith is risky. Third, the result of faith, and then we're going to ask this question, what's holding you back? And then fifth, we're going to look at God's own spiritual pilgrimage. So the first one, what faith is like. Faith is like a pilgrimage. It comes as a call from God to go out into the unknown. Now, the call is not faith. Faith is your response to the call. Your response to go out and follow God out into the unknown. So if you have seen the movie Frozen 2, and if you have kids that are young, especially if you have a girl, you've probably seen Frozen 2. Frozen 2 totally steals from the story of Abram. And, and here's how the story of Frozen 2 goes, and it's the same story of Abram. There, there's someone who receives a call. So, so the world is messed up. So something horrible happens in the past. And then this chosen one is called to go out into the unknown to bridge two worlds together. And this is the exact story of Abram, and it's actually the story of us 
So let's look at the story that Frozen and Disney totally steal from. So look at Abram. He's not a believer in God at this point. He is worshiping false gods in the area that they live. People worship the moon god. His father's name is Terah, which means moon. So they're worshiping false gods. Along with that, though, his family is incredibly successful in the land that they are in. And they have it all, you could say. They have a comfortable life. Everything is in control. But now, the greatest challenge up to this point in Abram's life is placed before him. He is called to leave everything behind. This land, this great life that he has built, his family, he's called to leave it all behind. The good life, the comfortable life, and go out into the unknown. Abram's greatest enemy at this point is the good life that he has. Because it is likely that the greatest problem for him right now is going to be leaving everything behind that he has built. It's this beautiful life. You can imagine this would be much easier if he had nothing. doesn't have anything, and God says, come on, let's go. So, oh, I don't have anything. This is going to be easy. But he has everything. And then he hears the call. God's about to mess everything up for him. So God says to Abram, leave it all behind, even your family, your home, and go. So Abraham, or Abram is probably like, okay, well, where are we going, God? Not telling you. Okay. All right, well, Sarai, my wife, is barren. You've made this promise to me that I'm going to be this, the, the father of a great nation. Well, Sarah can't even have any kids. So how in the world is that going to happen? What's ironic is Abram's name means father. Well, his name is later changed to Abraham, which means father of many. He's like the big daddy. Yet he, his, is that funny? Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Glad I, glad I said that then. Uh, oh, now I just ruined it. Anyways, uh, Abram, father of many. So it's ironic that that's his name because Sarai's barren. And so he says, well, God, how are you going to do that? And God says, I'm not telling. Okay. Well, Abram says to God, well, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, is there something that I could tell my dad so he doesn't think I'm so crazy? God is like, Abram, get out. Go. What is God getting Abram to do? He's getting him to leave and go out into the unknown on this pilgrimage. He doesn't want him to know. You can imagine how crazy Abram is seeming to his family. So Terah, his father, says, where are you going, son? I don't know. Okay, well, Abram, my son, that seems pretty irresponsible. I mean, don't you think you should have a plan? Well, I'm just going to kind of go, and I, and I think that at some point I'm going to arrive at the place I'm supposed to go, and God's going to let me know that this is the place. Ah, okay, Abram, I mean, I don't know, this seems like a bad idea. Don't you think maybe you should think about your career or maybe, like, finish up college or something? No, Dad, I got to go. Like, I got to go. All right, well, at least take our, the, this moon god idol statue that we have. No, God, I, I, no, no, Dad, I left all that behind. I, I just, there's, there's, there's one God for me now. Oh, is it this God that we've been worshiping? No, it's not that one. It's a new God. Um, I, I'm just, I'm kind of putting all my faith in him now. So you're an unbeliever now. No, Dad, I'm not an unbeliever. I'm just, there's one God, and I'm just going all in with him. God is trying to get him to do what makes him completely uncomfortable. God is making him vulnerable. Making him wait to say, 
I don't know what's happening next, but I'm going to trust God. There, there's a story uh, of Jesus doing basically the same thing to somebody who has everything, like Abram. He's a rich young ruler. He's a good man. He's lived a good life. He has this great reputation. He's treated people well. He has built essentially like this empire around him. And, and Jesus says to him, if you want eternal life, rich young ruler, if you want the paradise, if you want the promised land, you've got to leave everything behind. Sell all that you have, give money to the poor, and come and follow me. And this rich young ruler can't do it. But Abram does. And that is the exact feeling of what it feels like when you are called to faith, that you're leaving everything behind. That's what faith is. It's reckless, it's irresponsible, and it looks idiotic from a worldly wisdom standpoint. But that's the call. And that's the calling that God has placed on every single one of us. The challenge, but it's more than a challenge, it's a calling. God is doing the work. He's calling you out, whispering in your soul to come out of this place where you are and follow him into the unknown. So what I want to do now is just get real for a bit and ask you this question. Have you done it? Have you left? Have you really left everything behind? Or would you do it if you haven't? You're building this good and comfortable life here. The house that you own, the family that you have, your bank account. The, the challenge here from God, the calling, is to leave it all. To leave it all behind and follow Him. If God told you right now to take everything that you have, your bank account, your house, your family, and just give it to Him and go, would you do it? If God said to you today, leave the heritage that you have behind from your family, the traditions, the values, leave it behind because those values were all wrong and go out into the unknown. Would you give in to such recklessness? Because that is exactly what it is. Would you leave your parents' faith behind and make it your own? That is the calling that God puts on every Christian. To be reckless, but to be Perhaps many of you consider yourself to be a Christian, but you haven't left yet. Have you said to God, here's my house, here's my money, here's everything that I have, it is yours, now tell me what to do with what I have. Here's my house, God, tell me how to live in this house. Tell me, what do you want me to do? You want me to have a bunch of parties here? You want me to bring people here? Here's my bank account, here's all of my money. Tell me what you want me to do with this, God. Here's my family. Take it. Take my family. Now, leave it behind. Now, look, to leave your family behind, it does not mean that you drop your kids off at your friend's house and you leave them behind to go out into the unknown, never to see them again. That would be irresponsible. Some of you in this quarantine are wanting to do that right now. That is not what I'm talking about. To leave your family behind means that you are following Jesus. He's the one that's in front of you. God is in front of you, and you're following him into the unknown. Your family is with you. You've brought them along with you. They're behind you, not in front of you. They're, God is telling you what's next, not your family. The best parents are the ones who have given their children to God. That's what it means to leave your family behind. Some of you don't trust God with your kids. You have this death grip on them, and you will not let them go. There's a, 
a pastor, uh, his story is an amazing story. He got brain cancer, and he, he thought he was going to die. And his greatest fear that he talked about was he's leaving his family behind, and he can't be there to help walk them through his own death. He felt like there needed to be someone there to care for his family, but and he would be the one to do it, but he couldn't because he'd be dead. So it terrified him until he realized that God could care for his family better than he could. That was it. That was his spiritual pilgrimage, realizing that he needed to give his family to God. Giving his family to God, knowing that God could care for them better than he could. You must leave it all behind. You must go to the land that he's showing you. You have to risk it all. You're putting all your chips in, and you're saying, God, I'm all in with you, nothing else. I don't have one chip left over that I'm saving for over here. It's all in with you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know how I should use my money. You know how I should use my house. You know what we as a family need to do. And, you know, there are people who've grown up in the church but never made their faith their own. It's been their parents' faith. They've never actually stepped out on the pilgrimage. What do I mean by that? Well, you can go to church to honor your family. In fact, a lot of people do that. Many people come from a household that if you stopped going to church, you would never tell your mom about that because she would be very angry at you, so you better not tell her. I did a Bible study at a recovery center and a lot, of, a lot of the men that were in this recovery center had come from gangs or still were in gangs. And they all went to church. It wasn't something that they didn't do. They went to church. Here's my point. Maybe you've never made your faith your own. Maybe you've never actually started off on this journey. You have just been going to church. Sometimes college students will leave the church behind when they graduate high school, and what actually is happening is they're not leaving their faith. They're actually finally discovering it for the first time because they never made their faith their own. And this is part of their journey where they've got to discover God in a way that is real for them, not in a way that their parents told them it had to be. Or maybe you already have a faith of your own in God. You're a Christian. But your life isn't turning out the way you wanted it to, and perhaps that's because you followed God into the unknown, and he's taking you where you ought to go, a land that he will show you. And it's not working out the way that you want it to, but that's what it is to be a Christian. It's to say, God, I'm trusting you in the life that you're going to give me, not the life that I want. Abram was told by God that he's going to have a child. 25 years later, 25 years it took for him to finally have that kid. 25 years. The journey is not easy and it requires tons of patience and waiting. And it's hard. Because, see, at the core, it's not about you having patience. It's about you having left the com comfort and control behind. That's why faith is so risky. Because you're out of control. This is our second point, why faith is risky. You are out of control and you have left the comfortable world completely behind. It's terrifying. Your kingdom was safe, it was under your control, but you were living in a shack. And what God had in mind for you was a palace. Abraham waited 25 years to finally have his kid. 
That doesn't sound like a father to men. My guess is that doubt says, actually, we know that. He begins to doubt. And he says, God, how do I know that you're going to do this? Sarah, his wife, 23 years into this whole thing, laughed when she was told, you're going to have a kid in a year. She does not see. Not only does it feel impossibly risky to leave, but once you have left, doubt starts setting in. So every single day, you have to take the risk of faith, or you'll get stale, and you're going to get all stuck in the same place. It's not just the comfort and control, though, that makes it risky that you're leaving behind. You're leaving away comfort and control. That feels risky. But what else is risky is the place that you have been called. So this, the geography here is, is incredibly important for us to see. So Abram leaves, and he finally arrives at the land Canaan, the place where he's supposed to be going. But then God says, look, this is the land, but I'm getting you out of here. This is the land where your offspring is going to be, not you. But this is the promised land. In fact, the Canaanites would become enemies of his children. And so then he leaves. And then look at where he ends up. It's so important to see where he ends up. He ends up at the hill country that is between Bethel and Ai. Now here's why this is significant. Bethel means the house of God. Ai means ruin. So he pitches his tent, which means this is like his temporary home. And he makes his temporary home up between the house of God and ruin. That's exactly the same story of the Christian. Our life is set up right between the house of God and ruin. That's where God brings us in the land that we are in. And it's risky in this land. And that is exactly the experience of the Christian. We're on a pilgrimage towards the house of God, but we are not yet there. Ever wonder why you are plagued with doubt? Because of where you are. It's because where you have pitched your tent is the place where God has carried you. The place in between Ai, ruin, and Bethel, the house of God. Every day feels risky on this journey. It's risky because like Abram, you are putting your life in someone else's hands. And it's terrifying. You don't know the road. You don't know where God is going to take you. You only know that you are following him towards paradise. I don't know what God's going to ask of you. You don't know what God's going to ask of you. And, and you know, you aren't able to check beforehand. You, you can't ask God, God, what are the commands going to be when I go? Where are you going to take me? What's it going to be like? What are you going to tell me to do? You can't ask God that question. You aren't revealed that. In fact, sometimes I talk with people and they say, I mean, they are on this quest to understand everything that the Bible says about what commands they're going to get, what God is going to tell them, and how God's going to tell them to live before they set out on this journey of faith. It does not work that way. To understand all the commands of God before you go out on the journey, that's not faith. See, you're not going to get that. Like it's God does not allow it to happen. One, the commands will not make any sense until you start your journey. But two, once the call comes in, God says, it's time. Go. Leave your homeland. Leave this world behind and go out into the unknown. That's risky. You, you know, you could tell when you're living by faith. 
because your life feels a bit out of control. You're not sure what's going to happen next, but it doesn't really scare you when you're operating out of faith because you know that God's called you out into the unknown. It's risky. Things begin to fall apart, and you say to yourself, this is the journey. This is the pilgrimage. This is my test of faith. God is revealing to you in those tests who and what you are. You have to ask yourself, am I someone who stays or goes when i hear the call am i willing to leave and go out into the unknown or do i stay when i was a kid there's a water park called wet and wild i don't know if wet and wild still exists does it still exist we don't know we're not sure well it doesn't doesn't it's gone oh what a tragedy so there is this so i'm at wet and wild and i keep seeing this slide every time i go that's like straight down i'm like man i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna do that and then one day I said, I got to do this. So slide goes absolutely straight, so straight down that when you go down the slide, you're actually not even touching the slide. It's absolutely terrifying. Some, some of my friends are so crazy that there's like a rocket one where the bottom just drops out from you and you just go straight down and you have no idea when that person's going to pull the lever and you're going to go straight down. So I did it, not the rocket one, but the other one. And it was absolutely terrifying. Uh, I did it, and I said, I'm never going to do that again, because I'm convinced that humans are meant to walk on the ground and not fall from the sky. So I said, I'm not going to do this again, but I did it, and it felt good, but I'm still convinced that that's not what we should do. But, but actually, while I'm convinced of that, also, I could be wrong. What if, to be human, it's not necessarily about falling, but it's about falling into the arms of God and flying with Him? We have become so accustomed to our controlled and comfortable life that faith feels terrifying because we are not living as we are meant to live. We are meant to go out into the unknown, not knowing what is to happen next. But that is what being with God is about. That is what it means to be human. It's thrilling. You are completely in the hands of someone else, God. Now, I don't know about you. But pretty often my life feels in control, it feels comfortable, and it feels like when God is calling me out to something, I want to know the plan. I don't even need to know everything about the plan. I just want to know something. But I don't. God won't allow it. He doesn't give it to us. He wants us to learn to operate out of faith. Abram's life moved from one test to the next. And each test changed him. That is what it's like when you go out into the unknown. You never return the same. This is our third point, the results of faith. One test to the next, and each one changes you. And the same way it changed Abraham, the same way it changed you. It isn't safe, it's unpredictable, and it is the exact right environment for God to do his greatest work. Not in a controlled environment, but out in the unknown. I want you to imagine yourself, you're about to set out. And you ask God, okay, is it going to be safe? Nope. Is it going to be comfortable? Nope. Okay, will I return? Well, maybe, but you definitely won't return the same. God is setting us up in between two worlds. Ai and Bethel. Ruin and the house of God. Heaven and earth. And after years, 
in this in-between, you will look in the mirror and you will see that God has completely changed you. But none of that would have happened if you had never set out. If you stayed home, none of it would have happened. And it's not just that you have changed, but you have now this new home. You have this home of heaven, but you're posted up in between heaven and earth, but you're on your way. You're pilgrimaging in, I don't know if that's a word, but you're moving to heaven. And this new family that you're in, this is the other thing that changes about you. You're in a new family, the church. And what the church is doing is every day, like, like, come on, you got this, calling you to take the risk of faith, encouraging you to do it, like challenging you, like, come on, take the step. Take the risk. That's what your discipleship groups are about. It's like all these people are rallying around you, like, take the step. Take the step. Come on, you do it. They're not pushing you because they can't. It's got to be you. But they're, like, encouraging you the whole time to do it. There's, there's, I, I just, and I didn't know I was going to tell a story, but there's uh, someone in our church that uh, basically their, their job, the higher-ups, told him to let someone go because of all this that's happening with the virus. And he said, no, it's not right. I'm not doing it. And it could potentially cost him his job, but he's doing what he knows to be right. He's tracing out his Christian values and saying, no, I'm not going to let this person go. And it might cost him his job. We could actually pray for him. But it's him saying, I'm taking the call. Like, this is what it means to be a Christian, and I'm taking this risk, and I don't know what's happening next. So the question we got to ask, this is our fourth point, is what's holding you back? Many of you are just sitting there waiting. You're hearing the call, but you have, you're remaining like a statue, unmoved. You've heard the call of God to leave it all behind, but you haven't left yet. And maybe you've been hanging out at the church for a long time, maybe your whole life, but you've never taken the risk, you've never taken the call to go out. And you're hearing week after week, go, 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 but you're staying. And it might be that your biggest problem is that Satan's main job with you right now is to convince you that your life is too good to leave behind. Things are too great the way that they are. So Satan's doing everything he can to give you this life that looks nice and pretty and good, but you are really actually in a shack when a palace awaits you. It's comfortable. Your king is comfort. Take the risk. Leave it all behind. And some of you have left it all behind, but things are not working out the way that you thought, and you're wondering, man, should I, should I go back? Should I just stay at home? The test is coming right now. Take the risk of faith. You are stuck where you are. Take the risk. Go further into the unknown. Follow him where God is calling you to go. I want to give you two one-liners. First, salvation is not about the quality of your faith, but the quality of the person you have faith in. One more time. Salvation is not about the quality of your faith, but the quality of the person you have faith in. But here's the second one. The quality of your faith will have a direct impact on the impact you have in this world. The quality of your faith will have a direct, will directly change the impact that you have in this world. God is growing you in this spiritual pilgrimage, test after test, but each test transforms you, and it makes you change the world around you. 
blessed to be a blessing. That's Abraham's call. Go, and you will be blessed to be a blessing to others, and that is the exact calling that we have. Your pilgrimage, it will start. If you will start out on it, you will become a blessing to those around you. That's the pattern of Christianity. And that's exactly what our faith tells us, exactly what God does with us. God comes to bless us. He's already blessed. Christ is blessed. He comes to be a blessing to us. This is our fifth point. God's spiritual pilgrimage. God took a spiritual pilgrimage, and it led him right to you. See, Abram, he's a hero of the faith. He's someone we should emulate, but still, he falls far short. Abram's life is pointing us to the great serpent crusher. See, Abram was not it. Abraham did not crush the head of the serpent. There was one who had come from his line, next and next and next, until we arrive at Jesus. And Jesus becomes the hero of the faith. Jesus becomes the one we have faith in. Look at his spiritual pilgrimage. It led him right to you. He left his home, and he came to post up in the in-between. He posted up in Ai, in ruin. In fact, here's what happens. When Jesus dies, he joins himself to ruin. He joins himself to death. He joins himself to us. He joins himself to us who are sinful. He joins himself to this world. That's in his death. But in his resurrection, he rises up and joins himself to the world that is to come, to heaven, to the house of God. And now he becomes the bridge that by faith we trust in him, and he becomes the bridge that we cross over into the unknown, not knowing what's next, but eventually arriving at the promised land, at the house of God, forever. That is your spiritual pilgrimage. Leave your homeland and go to the land that he will show you greatest thing that you could ever do. It takes, it takes courage and it takes risk, but it's worth it. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, the strength, and the passion to respond to the call that you give us. That when it comes in for the first time, that we would risk it all and go. And that as we go about and doubt starts setting in, I pray, God, that we would take the risk again and go out further into the unknown, following you into what's next. And God, I pray all this in Jesus' name.